What is going on, my people of Somewhat Supernatural? Your hosts with the ghosts, Scuba Steve here, bringing you episode 12 of my podcast, Somewhat Supernatural. And today with me, we have returning from episode 12, my brother from another mother, from the Recycled Corn Podcast, Ben DeLeon, and returning from episode two, my buddy Joseph Moreno. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. Just just got out of work, you know, living live, going to wrestling shows and just living life, working, being a responsible adult, paying rent. Ah, you're not an adult. You're still a kid, man. You always be a kid to me. Yeah. No, but uh, I just want to say something real quick. So if anybody in the Corpus area, the surrounding area, um, if y'all like wrestling or have never been to a show, check out Gulf Coast Wrestling Alliance on June 25th at the Valencia on Airs. Great product. One of the hottest promotions in Texas. Also, I'm going to give a shout out to my boy Julio Vasquez. Um, my, my boys from WrestleVlogs, they're selling shirts right now. 20 bucks for regular, 30 for dry fit. Hit him up, hit me up, work a deal. Cool, cool, cool. So what what have you been doing, you know, other than work? Like, what, uh, what's what been going on in life? I mean, it's been a while since episode two. I know we're barely yeah. on episode 12, but, yeah. you know, it, it's been a while. Yeah, not much. Just, you know, just, you know, trying to figure out, you know, like, all right, cool. What career do I want to make myself do? You know, I've been working and, yeah, I like, you know, the job that I have, you know, on the side, I wash cars and do tell them and, you know, not much. Just coming to visit my mom and hanging out with the guys and getting into spooky shit that I'm not supposed to, but still do. Cool, cool. That's good, man. Ben, what have you been up to, brother? Yeah, well, we're having some audio issues with you, bud. We're having some audio issues with you. Yeah, yeah. You sound like a robot right now, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know yeah. what's going on. Today's know. just been a weird... Today's been a weird fucking day, man. Like it's, it's not even just like little things going wrong here and there. Like it's, it's been crazy today, man. Like I I got to work this morning, you know, we had, we had the Coles graduation today and uh, you know, so our our students actually got to walk the stage. You know, we were back at Selena auditorium, which was really great. Um, But it it was just a weird day today, man. Like things just started going kind of weird. Um, I broke my glasses Ouch. carrying a box, you know, for the, uh, for the graduation. And then, uh, while carrying that box, I kind of hurt my back a little bit. Uh, and, uh, so I'm walking, you know, whatever. I have the box over my shoulder, no big deal. And, uh, I set the box down. We're setting up. There's a table that we needed to move. And, So we'd moved one table. It wasn't that heavy. And so then I was like, okay, cool. Like I'll, I'll move this, you know, move this table this way, whatever, no big deal. And then when I bent down to pick up the table, my back went out. Like I was in so much pain, like it almost dropped me to my knees. And, uh, so I was dealing with that all day today. Luckily some coworkers had, you know, some medication for me and I took the medication and I still feel a little woozy from it right now. So if I'm not on point with my talking right now, or I sound like I'm slurring my words, I'm also very tired because I worked last night. I got about five hours of sleep. I had to DJ cause um, one of our DJs couldn't make it last night. So I had to, you know, pick up the slack like scuba Steve does. And um, you know, it, it's, it's been a crazy, crazy day to day. Like things just going wrong that I've noticed, you know, so I don't know if there's just something, some kind of magnetism in the air right now that's just causing things to go bad. 
or what, but it's 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 really weird today. So, but now that we got a better picture of Ben right there, you hopped on your phone. I'm trying to get this started. Hold on. Let me see. Oh, no, you're good, man. You're good. Let me see what's you're going good. on here. You're good, brother. You're good. So today's topic, you know, I had a different topic originally. I, I was going to do an episode about werewolves, you know, historical werewolves like I did, you know, with the historical vampires uh, two weeks ago. But with the Conjuring movie coming out, you know, it, it just dropped. So I figured, why not talk about what's hot right now which is the warrens you know but the actual warrens not you know the the movie versions of the warrens so you know we've seen them in movies we've read the books but who were the warrens you know so you know that's why on today's episode of somewhat supernatural you know we're going to be discussing ed and lorraine warren um and a few other cases and you know just some other other things that that they had going on in their life um they they've always been very fascinating to me especially because you know i I am a paranormal investigator and so it's a very well-known name in that circle they're they're kind of like the grandparents of paranormal investigating you know what i mean so they uh, now there are a lot of skeptics with them still and a lot of people that say oh their cases were bullshit and they were in it for the money and this and that whatever but with anything, man, it, I mean, look at Zach Bagans. People look at Zach Bagans and they're like, oh, he's just in it for the money. He's just in it for the money. You know, oh, his stuff's fake or this and that. And while some people can be like that, you know, um, I don't I don't see that the Warrens were like that. Um, they they they've always had my respect, you know, oh, always. And I remember watching old paranormal shows and, you know, Lorraine, Lorraine's been on tons of TV shows, you know, talking about investigations and, you know, her gifts and stuff that she had. Um, But like I said, who were Ed and Lorraine Warren? Well, they were American paranormal investigators and authors associated with prominent cases of alleged hauntings. Ed was a self-taught and self-professed demonologist, author and lecturer. I would have loved to have been gone to one of their lectures. Like, I think that would have been really cool to, you know, be at one of their lectures. So Lorraine, uh, she, she professed to be a clairvoyant and a light trance medium who worked closely with her husband. They authored many books about the paranormal and about their private investigations into various reports of paranormal activity. They claim to have investigated well over 10,000 cases during their career. Wow. That's a lot. 10,000 10, cases. And you got to remember, this is before social media. You yeah. know what I mean? This was way before. I mean, shit, they got started way before any of us were alive. You know, oh, of course. Yeah. Well, maybe with, with the exception of Ben, because you know Ben's old as shit. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they, they had been doing this for a long time. And so... You know, stories of ghosts and hauntings popular, popularized by the Warrens have been adapted, um, you know, into films, you know, dozens of films, television series and documentaries, including several films in the Amityville Horror Series and the fi- and, you know, the, the film in the Conjuring universe. So also another one that I totally just fucking realized is based off of one of their investigations was the haunting in Connecticut. That's a good one. Right. And I, I never even 
fucking realized like put, put two and two together on that one yeah which is fucking i'm sure everybody was like oh yeah you're a dumbass but you know <laughs> it, it's um it and I re- now that now that i think about it i really wish that that movie would have been in the conjuring universe you know what i mean right. like yeah because i mean it fits it fits perfect and it's one of their first investigations that they did which we'll talk about here because i did you know try to put them together but some of the more popular ones that people would understand or yeah. that, that would recognize but so ed was born in 1926 on september 7th lorraine was born 1927 january 31st um in 1943 ed ed and lorraine met at the age of 16. now in the movie it says they met at the age of 17 but in real life they met at the age of 16. um Ed was an usher at the Colonial Theater in Bridgeport, and that's where Ed and Lorraine met. Um, ben sent me this really cool video um, on on Facebook, which I'm banned on Facebook right now. FYI, again? by the way, Why? again, Why? I'm fucking banned again, dude. So I got banned. I got banned for um, making a meme. So for those of y'all that aren't in Corpus, there, there, there's this bar called The Social. Two people, <laughs> two people got caught. Two people got caught bumping nasties on the patio. And uh, so it was like this really big thing because of who the guy was. Um, and so I made a meme and I forgot to cover up the private parts. Oh, and uh-huh. yeah. And so and so Facebook blocked me for one day and I was like, OK, cool. They deleted the fucking meme. OK. Then I'm good. I'm posting. I'm posting. And then when I wake up on Thursday, I'm fucking banned again. This time for three days. And I'm like, what the fuck? You already banned me for this. And they hit me with it five times. I never. Yes, dude. I never fucking reposted it. Maybe maybe somebody shared it, and they're like, oh, here you go again. You know. Well, yeah, yeah. but even if but Facebook deleted the original post. So with them deleting the original post. Well, well, can they save a picture and then it come back and then it recognizes it? No, 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 no. Or whatever? Nah, it, but it wouldn't come back to me even if somebody saved it. You know what I mean? It would fall back on them because they posted yeah. an original piece. So yeah, so our viewership may not be, you know, what it usually is since I am blocked and, I, and I, I'm streaming off my backup page. So if you do get a friend request from another Lord, Stephen Vasquez, it is me. I promise well, or it might be it might I, be one of my clones. So I, I, sh- I shared this on my on my uh, my page and my uh, podcast page for all my dozens of, of uh, listeners. Uh, so uh, maybe you might get a couple. <laughs> Tyler said Tyler said it's those pop up porn shops you've been advertising that got you banned. <laughs> Shut up, Tyler. <laughs> also, RoboFuck, welcome to Somewhat Supernatural. Glad you're here, man. Jesse Avalos said, that's the thing that makes me go, wow, this really happened. So cool, cool, cool. So back to Ed and Lorraine. Um, They were married in 1945. um, And they had like a really small wedding. Uh, In 1950, that's when they gave birth to their daughter, Judy. Um, In 1952 is when things fucking kicked up because that's when they, uh, that was the founding of Nesper, the New England society for paranormal research in 1952 the warrens founded the new england society for paranormal research the oldest ghost hunting group in new england the warrens were among the first investigators in the amityville haunting 
According to the Warrens, the Nesper uses a variety of individuals, including medical doctors, researchers, police officers, nurses, college students, and members of the clergy in investigations. Also in 1952, history was made and the occult museum was open. Now, I know you've been there, Joseph, and we will talk about your experiences there, uh, which I'm super fucking jealous because For real? it's it's someplace that I would love to go to. And if you go to their well, if you go to the, the their uh, website, it says it is permanently closed now. Now, the reason that it is closed is the zoning laws changed so they could no longer operate a business out of the home. So um, their son-in-law and their daughter were the ones that, you know, kept the museum going after Lorraine passed away. But since the zoning laws changed, they're trying to find another location for the museum. Um, Hopefully they, you know, they can find someplace that's, you know, beneficial for everybody. Because, I mean, that's that's really cool shit to, to have there, you know. And there are some people that say, oh, it's bullshit. None of the stuff in there is haunted. Um, okay, you say that until you go. Yeah, exactly. Right. Now it's not. It's not how it looks like in the Conjuring movies. Yeah. There's no fucking. There's no armored suit. You know, samurai suit in there. There's a lot of stuff that was just added to the movie, kind of like how Annabelle isn't really yeah. the way Annabelle looks. She's a raggedy angle. So what was what was your experience there, Joseph? Okay, so I went about maybe three, four years ago. So before I started, before my freshman year of high school, Ed, had, Ed has already been, you know, Ed's been passed on for many years already, you know. Uh, Lorraine, her son-in-law, Tony, and his wife, Judy, run the museum, you know. And all right, I said, cool, you know, let me go visit. I knocked on the door of the house and they said, come check it out, cool. So, you know, you walk around, you walk in through their house, you go down, down the stairs, they have this hallway. It's like, it's the hallway leading to the museum. So it's like a little Halloween room. You know, there's Halloween decorations. Not not as bad. Until you walk down the creepy hallway, it gets kidding. Like, the energy in the room changes you. You know, it feels different. You feel off. You walk in. There's there's rules that Miss Warren had and Tony have. Um, no one's allowed in there after 9 o'clock. From 9 to about 6 a.m., Obviously, those are the psych- psychedelic hours, so things do tend to make noise and go off and without explanation. And whatever you do, do not touch or tempt whatever is lingering on in the objects that they have. So the three that stood out to me was they have a statue of a witch, Han- Hannah Canna. She was the local witch, is a legend of the local witch in, in the town where, where they lived. The farmers were so scared of this woman that she told them that if you didn't bring me a pie or a chicken, that she would cast a spell and she would kill them. Until huh. one day they they decided to form a lynch mob and they got her, they hung her and they burned her. They hung her and they burned her alive. Oh, wow. Another t- object, I'd say, well, obviously, of course, the Annabelle doll, Annabelle. She's a raggedy and all. Ed, she sits in a box, in a wooden box that Ed had built himself. He blessed it with holy water, and there's a sign on it. It's that stood out to me the most. It says, "Warning: Positively, do not touch." Okay, cool. I'm not gonna touch. Well, 
in this i believe in the 70s or 80s a young guy and this girl a friend of his went into the museum and they thought oh this is bullshit oh you know this isn't real so he went up to the he went up to annabelle and he said if you're real do something to me so ed and lorraine asked them kindly to leave they left three hours later the guy ended up they ended up in a motorcycle accident the guy died the girl was in the hospital for about a year oh damn yeah you don't challenge you don't challenge you don't challenge, challenge spirits and, 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 you know, Lorraine was telling me that they have an object from Africa, some objects, um, I believe they're skulls. Someone stole them from a witch doctor. Kids do not steal from witch doctors. And the gentleman just got really sick within a year. So before he died, he gave them to Ed and Lorraine to, oh my God, I thought that was a ghost. <laughs> so since we're talking about annabelle um when we did our investigation of the um jesus get that away no 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 since we did uh we did an investigation of the old nazareth um hospital you know with with my with my group uh, <laughs> oh my god and on the way back we uh we stopped at um we stopped at this old, you know, off the side of the road antique shop. Okay. And we found a raggedy and all, and we found this raggedy Andy. Now TJ, who is part of dark side paranormal, mm -hmm. he scooped up the raggedy and all. I wasn't going to buy him. I, I wasn't. Um, but I busted out, you know, I always walk in anytime I go to an, an antique shop, I have my EMF reader with me. Mm -hmm. And so I ran my EMF reader over him. And he was giving off a reading. Are you serious? Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Please tell me you're joking. No, no, no. I'm serious. He, he, and he still does to this day. Now, the thing with him, he's not bad. Like he's very playful. You know, he, he, my son is the biggest chicken shit ever, but he <laughs> basically, I mean, he, he trusts this guy 100%. And, you know, he's, we haven't had any issues with him, but he does give off EMF readings. Like wow, that's there's nothing, nothing in him. He's all stuffing, you know, and my son even went so far as to, you know, just to keep him entertained. He has his own little, little ugly doll here that he keeps with him at all times. And, you know, from time to time, we'll put the headset on him so that he can watch the Xbox we played and stuff too. So I don't know what spirits in him. I've never, I've never tried to do, uh, you know, um, EVP session. Yeah, I've never, I've never tried. I just know that there's something, you know, in him. And you, you want to hear a bizarre coincidence? Uh, one time, Sandra and I were at the NT uh, shops down on Alameda, and as soon as we walk into one, we saw a Raggedy Ann doll that looked exactly like the Annabelle. Yeah. And as soon as we saw it, Sandra's like, "Nope." Nope, don't even look at it. Don't touch it. And you know how, how sensitive Sandra is. She yeah. was just like, nope, don't touch it. We want nothing to do with that thing. I was like, babe, it's only like $15. She would no, nope, we're not. No, it's not coming into my house. No. Yeah. I don't All right. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma <laughs> so Shep says he has an experience. Go ahead and put it in the chat, Shep, and we'll we'll talk about it, man. Um so speaking of Annabelle, you know, according to the Warrens in the year 1968, two re two roommates claimed that their Raggedy Ann doll was possessed by the spirit of a young girl named Annabelle Higgins. The Warrens took the doll 
telling the roommates that it was being manipulated by an inhuman presence and put it in display, you know, at the family's occult museum. The Legend of the Doll has inspired several films in the Conjuring universe, um, you know, and, and she's been seen in a lot of things, you know, um, and everybody knows who Annabelle is. But a lot of people don't know who the true Annabelle is. And that's this guy's sister, you know, the Raggedy Ann doll. Um, so but like I said, this guy right here, he's he's harmless. He's he's a great guy. And I should have busted out my my EMF. my EMF reader to show you guys. And I thought about, you know, getting some of my my ghost hunting tools out and and, you know, showing it on the podcast and stuff. But I got here too late and uh, I did get stuck at work a little late. So we're just going to leave him here so that he can join us on Somewhat Supernatural. Funny, co- funny coincidence about Annabelle. Uh so I don't know if you saw, remember that episode of Ghost Adventures when uh, Zach was, it was at the museum at Zach's museum. Yeah. So Tony when Annabelle that, yeah. that uh, paid a visit. Yeah. Yeah, that's how Tony carries her around. He puts her in the case, in the in the gun case. He blesses it before and after. He he wears those uh, welding gloves to hold her. Like I thought that was like kind of because I I walked in and I had seen a case. I was like what's in the case and she said that that's what she travels in what's in the box what's in the box <laughs> i don't uh like i said i don't do dolls i'm not a chicken shit yes i am i just <laughs> i don't do dolls like everybody has a thing dude don't worry about it you know what i mean like those just weird phobias whatever so and and i used to have one of those uh dolls that looked like the clown from poltergeist oh my fuck mom that. got me Fuck that. Dude, and and I swear, dude, um, my brothers and I, when we, we used to see that thing moving, and and like I said, we, we tied it to a chair and everything. My mom got all mad, but yeah, clowns, you know. My mom hates clowns. And you know, you know what's fucked up about that whole poacher, poacher guy's clown doll is that it was an actual toy. Like, it wasn't right. something that, that they made up for the movie. It wasn't something that you know, some special effects artists made or anything like that for the movie. It was an actual on the market toy oh, wow. that they didn't, they didn't even change for the movie. So that, I mean, dude, if I could get my hands on one now, I would fucking love to have a replica of that. I, doll. I asked my mom where she got it from. And she said that, that she was at a, at the flea market or something. And some old lady kind of offered it to her. Oh, wow. Cool. Uh, my sister, you know those baby dolls when you lay them down, the eyes close. Eyes close and open. Yeah, I fucking hate those dolls. Well, check this out. My sister, that was one of the first dolls she ever got. It was a big, she still has it somewhere, like in the garage, you know, when my niece comes over. Well, one day the doll was like laid down completely flat on its back. The eyes, both, I, I walked in, both eyes just opened. Nope, 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 nope. So I got the doll and I threw it over the fence. <laughs> yeah, so did, it, man. did it show up again? I had to go get it, so yeah. <laughs> Damn. Oh my god, that thing is like the creepiest thing ever. Like, I glue. So I said, you know, let me glue one eye shut just to see. You know, maybe it's messing with me. No, the eye just opened again. Crazy. But apparently, I'm the weird one in the family. So. Yeah, yeah, no. I would just like when nobody's looking, just throw some holy water on that thing. <laughs> just burning. I mean, I'd rather burn it. Well, I mean, sometimes burning doesn't help because you're just releasing whatever's in the vessel. You know what I mean? So, well, um, they say sometimes it's best to keep the genie in the bottle. Exactly. I I acquired some dowsing rods. I don't know why. 
I decided to get my hands on a pair of dowsing rods and act stupid one last week with my friend and I got I I got the answers I didn't want the answers yeah. to. Well, I, that's what happens when you mess with stuff you shouldn't be messing around with. Yes. And I said, crap, Scoop is going to get after me because of what I did. Yeah, well, so <laughs> I have a – my cousin, my cousin's an artist, and he does a lot of, like, uh, wood art. So oh, wow. I, I commissioned a Ouija board from him, so I'm going to have a custom spirit board made. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So the next – so, you know, Annabelle really – I mean – that's that's a notable investigation but uh one of the uh another notable investigation what do we got there ouija board pillow oh yeah <laughs> that's cool that's cool nice nice my wife hates it <laughs> so the parent family was a not- another notable investigation so when roger and caroline Perrin moved their family including their five young daughters to their new 2000 acre home in in harrisville rhode island they were unaware of its allegedly insidious former residence, originally built in 1736. So ah, I would love to live in an old house, but something that old. Yeah. I mean, ugh. so the country home was once inhabited by Bathsheba Thayer and her four children, three of whom died young. Despite the era's high infant mortality rates, those deaths and circumstances around them uh, roused suspicion within the town, resulting in the ostracism of Thayer. Labeled a Satanist by her community, um, she hold on, what she allegedly hanged herself in the backyard. So that's what we see in the Conjuring movie. The first conjuring, yeah, that home, yeah. the witch, you know, the lady that hung herself. And I've been to that house too. I've got to tell you that. So I actually was invited to go to the conjuring house, but I didn't go because when I looked up flights the day that I got invited to go, no, 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 no. I had the money. It wasn't even it wasn't even about the price. Yeah. The price for every single flight out of Corpus to the home in Rhode Island mm-hmm. was six hundred and sixty-six dollars. Oh yeah. shit! <laughs> yeah, dude, and I I screenshotted it. It's on Facebook. I I put it on my Facebook. Yeah, I, I think I remember that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Because I, I was like, "Fuck yeah, I'll go to the fucking Conjuring house." But then after I saw that, I was like, "Yeah, that's a that's a fucking omen right there. It's not yeah, gonna yeah, fucking no, happen." No, yeah. I spent me and my me and you know the people my mom's family friends that I was staying with. Um, they said I'd go back. We'd go. We'd come back whenever we left. Well, I went back two years later with my friends. We spent the night. When exploring, you know, as, as as children do, we um, it's it's in one of the Sam and Kobe videos. Uh, there's a there's an unmarked cemetery. Um, the house there's uh in the basement there's this well and the well's covered up, like it's like, like the rain. yeah, like boarded shut. And you know we uh we decided to we saw it on TV. We decided to go in there with uh with candles and you know it's it's pitch black and we decided okay if there's something (laughs) boy oh boy it's you just keep fucking up man you just keep fucking up i have you learned nothing have i taught you nothing (laughs) yes you have but (laughs) there's just like something that like i don't know there's something that just draw there was something drawing me towards the basement and draws me something towards the paranormal like when i know something weird like paranormal is going to happen i tend to like 
go like that like when something like before the before you brought your nice doll out i went like that i don't know if i noticed i went like that yeah it's, that's when I, I know like something weird's gonna happen you know so but so now, so now somebody owns the house now yeah 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 they they own it and you can you know you can book um overnight stays and stuff there um so while the parent family lived in the home numerous uh things were reported um but it, it, it there was a lot of pleasant ghostly interactions like spirits playing with the children excuse me or helping to do chores um but there's also darker interactions uh from ghosts like Thayer's ghost who took on a more menacing presence in the home um there's also been disembodied voices furniture moving on its own uh, and full spectral appearances, which were among the many experiences shared by the parent family. Um, the matriarch Carolyn was um, allegedly one of Thayer's more consistent targets, supposedly jealous of the living woman's role as both mother and wife. The ghost reportedly pinched and slapped Carolyn quite a bit and even touched Roger inappropriately on several occasions. And like I said, this case was, you know, the basis for the Conjuring movie. But could you imagine fucking just being in a home and, you know, this is your home. This is your 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 safe place. Mm -hmm. But having something there that doesn't want you there because it's also their home. You know what I mean? And, and really, who who has claim to it? Somebody or an entity or a spirit, whatever, that's been there for hundreds of years or you because you paid you know money for it but i mean what the fuck is money you know what i mean it's yeah, right. it's a material thing so spiritually you know they are still hot, thought that that fucking house was hers so you know and, and the next one the next investigation is one of oh, my yeah. all-time favorites do you want to take this one ben yeah i'll take it and this is of course amityville the Warrens are probably best known for their involvement in the 1975 Amityville Horror, in which New York couple George and Kathy Lutz claimed that their house was haunted by a violent demonic presence so intense that it eventually drove them out of their home. Only a year before their move-in, the residence had been the site of a deadly mass murder when Ronald DeFeo Jr. brutally killed six members of his family. For 28 days, the Lutzes and their three children lived in that very same house. While their family reported antagonistic voices, swarms of flies, welts, family members levitating, banging noises, and unseen entities, Ed and Lorraine Warren eventually called it, uh, were called in to cleanse the house and brought a local TV crew with them. After snapping photos, including one featuring a boy with glowing eyes, the Warrens determined that the land had curses on it. In a 2013 interview with Yahoo, Lorraine Warren said that the Amityville house was one case that haunts her the most. Amityville was horrible, she said, during a press conference for The Conjuring. It was absolutely horrible. They followed us right straight across the country. I will never go in the Amity house, Amityville house ever again. The reported haunting was the basis for the 1977 book, The Amityville Horror, and adapted into the 1979 and 2005 films of the same name, while also serving as inspiration for the film series that followed. The Warren's version of events is partially adapted and portrayed in the opening sequence of The Conjuring 2 from 2016. So Amityville's always been 
very, very interesting to me because there are a lot of people that say it was bullshit. Um, There's a lot of people that say the house is not haunted, um, that uh, everything that, that, you know, the Lutzes said they experienced was just bullshit. Um, But the thing that makes me believe there's something, something evil in that house whether the Lutzes are lying or not is the DeFeos. Right. How the fuck did Ronnie go in and kill everybody with, I mean, he shot them with a rifle. Right. You know what I mean? So, and nobody got away. So how, how, you know what I mean? And they were all, they were all turned over on their, on their faces. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were, when the, when the cops went in, every single body was face down in the bed. Um, I did read a little bit and they said that Ronnie said he didn't drug anybody. Um, but there were small traces of, of a sedative or something found in the blood, but nothing that would have kept them comatose to where they wouldn't be able to at least fucking struggle. You know what I mean? Cause there was no signs of struggle or nothing. Um, right. I, I, I honestly think that there was something evil in that house, maybe not a portal to hell the way the movie fucking made it seem, yeah. but you know, and, and with that many people dying there, that, that way tragically the i mean there has to be something there especially now um and that photo that they were talking about i'm sure i don't know if you guys have seen it but there's a little boy peeking through one of the doors and his eyes are glowing and it's a very famous black and white photo i was about to ask you if you've seen that photo so even if people are saying that you know the, the circumstances were fake and all that there still was a picture of a ghost boy that was captured on film. So, I mean, I, I did, did they even have the technology back then to fake that kind of photo? I mean, and it it was different. It's not, I mean, back then they, of course they didn't have computers. There was no fucking Photoshop. It, It was a lot harder to fake photos back then like that. You would have to like cut and paste and then copy and, you know, like redevelop it. And, but that photo has been authenticated time and time again so it's amityville is just because somebody asked me the other day what's what's your top you know dream investigation and i said amityville and they're like oh there's nothing there it's all bullshit and i was like you know even if even if that's true just to be there to experience it because i mean that that's just i think it would be it would be a fucking awesome investigation um so the next one is the enfield poltergeist joseph you want to take that one man sure in 1977, the Warrens investigated claims that a family in in the North London suburb of Enfield was haunted by poltergeist activity. While a number of independent observers dismissed carried out by, quote, attention-hungry, end quote, children, the Warrens were convinced that it was the case of demonic possession. The story was the inspiration for The Conjuring 2, although critics say the Warrens were involved to a, to a far lesser degree than portrayed in the movie and in fact had shown up to the scene uninvited and and, oh my god i can't speak and been refused it's to the home yeah so basically the way the movie says this happened it didn't happen that way they didn't have a really big part in that investigation the church did send them to go and investigate because they had heard that the enfield 
haunting was on the Amityville level. So the church did send them to go and investigate. Uh, they were denied, you know, at first. Um, and in the movie, they make it seem like, you know, they were there the entire time and they got real close to the yeah. family, which, which, I mean, that that's why these movies are based off of yeah, true, true events, it, you know, yeah, it's, not, it's not a documentary. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but they did come out and say, yeah, there, there was something there, you know, and, and it did seem at first that the kids were basically just doing it for attention. But, you know, they later did find, you know, that, that there was something really off going on in that house. Um, the next investigation is probably the one that is, you know, will appeal to more people now is because that, you know, Conjuring 3 came out, Devil Made Me Do It. And this is a 100% documented case in the courts. Um, and it was with Arnie Johnson. I don't know if you got, have you guys seen the movie yet? No. I went to go see it. Great movie. I've been, I've been too went busy. Home, went home, turned on all my lights to make sure I got into my house safe. And then, <laughs> and then I turned off all the lights and, I turned my TV around because I said no, 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 no portals in my room. Uh, but the ending, the end credits, I don't want to give away nothing. You know, no, no, give it away, things. give it away, give, give it away because people need to go in knowing what the fuck's gonna happen. So check this okay. shit out. So check this out. The movie, the movie, it's it's not scary. It's not a scary movie. It's not like the other two Conjuring movies. Um, the scariest part of this movie is at the very end and you, you sit, you start watching the credits and at the very end, they start playing the tape from the actual exorcism of the little boy, David, uh, what was his glaze glaze glazer? No. What was his last David, name? Uh, no, no, uh, David, um, Glatzel. Glatzel. That's right. So, so they actually play part of the tape from his exorcism and you hear this kid screaming but it doesn't really sound like a kid. And so the scariest part to me about that was, are you fucking stupid? Do you know what you could have just unleashed with all these people watching this, giving this entity life again? Like that to me was the scariest shit, you know? And, and like Joseph said, I came, you know, I came home from fucking watching it and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to cleanse my apartment just in case. Cause I ain't trying to open up a fucking portal, man. You know what I mean? Because I don't see I don't see why they thought that would be a good idea, you know, uh, because you're you're hearing the voice of a demon, essentially, you know, it, it's it's adding sensationalism to the movie, which, you know, of course, they're all about just getting the numbers. They don't look into the actual repercussions of what something like that could cause. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's that whole thing for my Ghostbusters. You know, I don't like this. So let me do a switch, whatever. Or this is going to attract attention. Let me do the switch, you know, so. Yeah, you know, and, and it's it's like I said, as a horror, as a horror movie lover, the movie's not that good. As a paranormal investigator, it's a really good movie because you actually get to see, yeah, you know, because they actually helped try to help police with the investigation and stuff. But in real life, the judge didn't even want to hear the whole, you know, the devil made me do a thing because it, it, it he didn't allow it in his court. You know what I mean? And so in the film, they go about it a little bit differently, but it's still yeah. pretty factual um, as far as 
Ed and Lorraine's involvement. Now they did. There is some other stuff that's fucking added to it that that's kind of bullshit. Yeah. But um, so in this, we'll, we'll talk about the facts right here because I got the facts right here. So it says <laughs> in this landmark trial, paranormal investigation, Ed and Lorraine Warren were called to testify on behalf of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson, the first known case in the U.S. to use the devil made me do it defense. On the evening of February 16th, 1981, 19-year-old Johnson engaged to Debbie Glatzel and out for dinner. Wait, what the fuck? Had gone out for dinner with their landlord, Alan Bono, and others. He stabbed Bono multiple times using a pocket knife. Johnson would plead not guilty by possession. A defense founded on Johnson's relate relationship with his soon-to-be wife's younger brother, David. Um in the summer of 1980, David woke to what described as a man with big black eyes, a thin face with animal features and jagged teeth, pointed ears, horns and hooves. The demon's description mirrors the creature from the horror hit Insidious and apparently scared David so much that Debbie turned to Arnie Johnson for help. Johnson couldn't find a reasonable explanation for David's bruises or scratches, so the family pivoted to a priest. That supposedly only angered the entity more, causing it to make David hiss, speak in multiple voices, and quote, paradise lost. The Warrens were brought in, and in an interview with People Magazine, Lorraine stated that while Ed interviewed the boy, I saw a black mist form next to him, which told me they were dealing with something of a negative nature. Soon the child was complaining that invisible hands were choking him, and there were red marks on him. He said that he had the feeling of being hit. The Warren supposedly worked with the Diocese of Bridgeport and four priests who were brought in to exercise more than 40 demons from David. The diocese has only admitted to investigating the Glatzel case, but allegedly the event saw David return to normal. Arnie, however, became their alleged new target. After moving in with Debbie and going to dinner at a bar uh, with Bono, a fight between the two older men broke out. Johnson stabbed Bono. Johnson's defense didn't hold up in court, and he was found guilty of first-degree manslaughter, serving out only five years of an initially longer sentence. So the video... Oh, what's up, Sandra? Purr, purr, purr. <laughs> he, said, he said hi. She says hi. So... um. That video that you sent me, Ben, uh, was actually very interesting, and I wanted to take snippets of it and play it here on Facebook, but our and I just I didn't know like the legality of it, so I didn't. Right. Um, but they go into detail about the the uh, investigation that they did, and Ed kept saying Arnie was the kind of kid that would not hurt a fly. He had a very big right. heart. He wasn't somebody who had anger issues. He wasn't somebody who would have done something like this and murdered uh, another human being. You know what I mean? Yeah, so right. that's why they 100% believed that he was in fact possessed by a demon. Um, now there was a, um, a statement made that because they didn't know how David was possessed. They didn't know where it came from. Um, and whatnot. But while on vacation uh, on a ski trip, the mom, Mrs. Glatzel and the, the sister 
um, were approached by this man and this woman. They hung out with them. Um, and then those people turned on them and supposedly put a curse on the family. And then when the family returned, that's when shit started happening to David. So um, the movie's re- it's, it's it's an interesting movie. Like I said, don't go in expecting, you know, the other two Conjuring flicks. But, you know, Arnie Johnson only served five years. He's he, he married his uh, Debbie in while he was in prison. They're still married to this day. Um, so what is what is your guys take on something like that? Say you're you're you guys are on a jury and. That was their defense. The devil made me do it. Well, how would you guys see that? Well. The judge and everybody else are in the in the court we're gonna look at me like i'm crazy like oh the devil made him do it oh okay yeah no the guy's just crazy or he just wants to get out of this sentence or whatever but the people that say that they don't know because they weren't actually there you know they're 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 listening in on what happened you know the the facts are right there with the judge and with both lawyers but if you you know some you know in some cases you know court cases they use god you know it's like in the movie says you know uh, they use god why don't they bring up the devil you know yeah which and, is true which is true if you believe in god you got to believe in the devil exactly if you believe you know? in god you got to believe in the devil but the thing is like something like that like when i heard about the, when i went to go see the movie this was all to me you know this was all new to me a, a new case and you know something new you know, you being a paranormal investigator school be like dealing with like an entity like that, like how do you even know that like just like, like the way this cop in the in the movie, you know, the cop he goes um he asks Arnie, he goes, I think I just killed somebody. Like, is it like their expressions, their mannerisms, like that you, you can tell like okay, this person is possessed. Like, how do you know that someone well, is possessed? Well, that's the thing. It's not it- Possession is a very it's a very touchy thing because it falls back on the Catholic Church to decide if somebody is really possessed, because that's when they step in and will do an exorcism. Now, they do cover up a lot of stuff, and I 100 percent believe that they won't come out and say, oh, yeah, we helped you know, exercise this, but it wasn't the first exorcism on David. The first exorcism that they did on David was at this convent. It didn't work. And they had to do multiple exorcisms on this, on this kid, you know? Um, and it, it hopped to Arnie. Now I don't know that Arnie said, Hey, you know, take me instead, like it did in the movie, but it, it found a weakness in him. And usually if it's somebody kind, if it's somebody gentle, I mean, that's like the perfect person to attach itself to. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it, it's not like I can't say, oh, this person's possessed or this person has this, this person yeah. has that. Especially nowadays, but you got to think back in the 80s, man, we didn't have the technology we had now. Doctors weren't as good as, you know, diagnosing stuff back then. Yeah. But with David going complete 180 like mm-hmm. that and then back to normal i mean what what could that be like was it just like some yeah. kind of short-term you know psychosis or well, something see the, the way I, the way i look at everything is, is actually like from a legal perspective 
Okay, so once you allow the devil made me do it, um, you know, defense, then that just opens up a floodgate of people not accepting responsibility for their crimes. Yeah. So maybe they could have proven, you know, to this jury that, yes, okay, this kid was possessed at the time, but if they actually let him go, that would have, like I said, just been, you know, a legal precedent for more people to be like, oh, well, you know, quoting this case, this is, you know, uh, this is how things went, whatever. So I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, responsible for this, whatever. So I just think it, it would have opened up too many cans of worms, and it was better that they, you know, and I don't want to say it's better that they convicted him, but from a legal standpoint, it was just better that they didn't accept that defense. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see if I can. I don't know how to freaking share the picture. So I was going to put up a picture of David, um, but I don't know how to fucking do it. What the hell was that? Yeah, what was that? It wasn't me. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck that was. It was fucking weird. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, share screen. Let's see. Window. Oh, no, it's not going to work. Anyways, but yeah, so it, it's... um. It's a very interesting case to say the least. And then for him to get off on just manslaughter instead of, you know, murder, because manslaughter is a way less charge. So they had to, you know, if you think about I it, had, they kind of did be like, okay, we, we, we'll give you five years, you know, like really? just to, you know, because in the grand scheme of things, five years isn't too bad, especially mm -hmm. he went on to, marry the love of his life and have a, a, a normal quote-unquote normal life i mean i still think that's pretty decent of them to do that so oh shit we got the man the myth the motherfucking australian legend himself the ever sexy brody kane how's it going brother brody <clears throat> said howdy my sexy honky tonk oh <laughs> how's it going buddy and you know obviously you know obviously that that's gonna put that's gonna leave a, a huge emotional scar for you on you for years and years you know what i mean like i'm sure this guy had like reoccurring nightmares of like this crap happening to him you know what i mean and so so, oh, so yeah. did david you know what i mean like that's obviously like i you know thank god you know to me thank god but people who have this they know they they make end you know I, i'm sure they feel alone after but yeah. they really aren't alone you know because they have that support system around them which yeah. kind of interesting to me because like wow like an, another case of the exorcism of emily rose yeah yeah another you know something like that so there one of the glatzels so in the movie you don't see the there's a brother there's a glatzel brother and he's not in the film and the reason they didn't put him in the film is because he says none of it ever happened he oh, said really? that yes he claims that it was all a hoax and that to this day he is still paying for this hoax 
you know, because especially with the movie coming out, I believe he had like a construction business or something. He's actually trying to sue the makers of the film because, you know, that it didn't happen and it's making his family look bad and blah, blah, blah. But everybody else in the family still says, no, it fucking happened. And he said, uh, I forgot the exact quote, but something like, you know, it's the longest hoax that's been going on and I'm still paying for it or something like that. So I don't know. Um, but who knows? Yeah. So the next one is, let me see. Uh, oh yeah. So the next one was the, the, the Snedeker house, which is, you know, the basis for a haunting in Connecticut. Um, then there was one for the Smurl family. Um, Pennsylvania residents Jack and Janet Smurl reported that their home was disturbed by numerous supernatural phenomena, excuse me, including sounds, smells, and apparitions. The Warrens became involved and claimed that the Smurl home was occupied by four spirits and also a demon that allegedly sexually assaulted Jack and Janet. The Smurls version of their story was the subject of a 1986 paperback titled The Haunted and the television film of the same name directed by Robert Mandel. So when I think of mm. a movies that involve demons sexually assaulting, have you ever seen the movie, the entity? Yeah. Okay. That's I'm what I think it. about. Watch it, dude. It really happened here in Texas. Like it's oh, a legit. Wow. Yeah. It's a legit fucking movie. It's, it's an older film. It's from the eighties, I think. Um, but yeah. that shit really that fucking happened. Um, also, there was Union Cemetery, Ed Warren's book, Gra Graveyard, the True Hauntings from Old New England Cemetery, um, features a white lady ghost which haunts Union Cemetery. Ed claimed to have captured her essence on film. So he, you know, they, they put out books. They did this. They did that. Um, you know, there was also the werewolf. Um, That's kind of weird. I sits a little, it seems a little odd. But yeah, this one this one was this, weird. Back to the Union Cemetery. I just have a question. Okay. Why is it that there, in any haunting, there's always a, a woman in either black or white? Um, I, I think that has to do with with spiritual energy. You know what I mean? If it's a good spirit, it's usually in white, um, and usually more male malevolent spirits are in black. I mean, yeah, that's just, not always the case. Uh, it's not always the case, but majority of the time, you know what I mean? That's that's yeah. um, and there is a werewolf case that, you know, they did. There was this man, Bill Riley um, or Bill Ramsey. I'm sorry, who was believed to be possessed by the spirit of a werewolf. Um, he was exercised and everything was good with that man after all. So um, but here's the creme de la creme, the occult museum. Opened in 1952, the ever-expanding collection of knickknacks and artifacts that have been touched by evil is kept in the basement of their own home. When they weren't delivering into high-profile cases or delving into high-profile cases of demonic mischief as the Amityville haunting um, and the exorcism of the witch Beth 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 Bathsheba, um, the Warrens were popular lecturers in their day. Throughout these cases, the Warrens collected trinkets and totems they claim were defiled by evil, locking them in the museum to keep them safe from the public. The eccentric collection contains everything from alleged vampire's coffin to a child's tombstone used as a satanic altar. 
death curses, demon masks, and psychic photographs line the museum's walls, accented by a hollowing store's bounty of plastic props, just to set the mood. However, the most prevalent item seems to be the cursed Raggedy Ann doll by the name of Annabelle, to which was said to have killed a man. Annabelle sits in her glass case, backlit by a haunted red light. Looking at the Warren's collection, one might begin to think that hell has a thing for dolls. Chum chum. <laughs> so there's different things in there. You know, there, there's a wedding dress. Um, like in Annabelle Comes Home, they show the wedding dress. It's got, you know, some different things going on other than what was in the film. Um, you know, we already talked on the Annabelle doll, and I did put a bunch of shit about the Annabelle doll. But I mean, what all don't we know about Annabelle already? You know, right. um, there's also the pearls of death in the occult museum. There's a real set of pearls that a woman was given um, when she placed the pearls on her neck. She claimed uh, to have to feel like she was being strangled to death. People around her had to yank the pearls off the woman to save her. It all goes back to cursed objects, objects that someone put a curse onto. It could be a bracelet, necklace, or any article that someone performed incantations and rituals over to put bad vibes into it, like someone did to the Annabelle doll. In the same way a priest can bless a holy relic, a satanic worshiper or black magic practitioner can cause a belonging as exemplified by the pearls of death. So um, basically how priests can bless stuff, you know, worshipers of the other side can do the same. Um, there is the conjuring mirror in there. Also, there's an organ in there that that Please. has been in there for a while. Um, it was obtained after authorities cleaned out a haunted house owned by Reverend Eliakim Phelps in Stratford, Connecticut. And, you know, a lot of this shit's in Connecticut. Like, yeah. I need to go. I need to go ghost hunting in Connecticut because it seems like Connecticut is like highly active. Yeah, isn't that also WWE headquarters? It is WWE headquarters, FYI. It Bruce, is. <laughs> uh, but you would love the museum school. I'm just, you'd be like a kid in the key store. You, you know what the museum kind of reminds me of? Uh, just hearing it. Um, because you know they're they're gathering all these artifacts and all that. It's like the original SCP Foundation. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So I know so, you. I, I know you did some research on some books and stuff, Ben. You you want to talk about that a little bit? I did. I uh, I was looking over the uh, the books that Ed and Warren or Ed and Warren Ed and <laughs> Lorraine Warren wrote, and um, I think it was six books in total. And each of them had to do with, um, you know, the, the cases they investigated, um, you know, which, of course, it started with Ghost Hunters, True Stories from the World's Most Famous Demonologist by Ed Warren in 1989. And uh, they, uh, they hunted down uh, the truth behind terrifying supernatural occurrences across the nation. And brought back astonishing evidence of their encounters with the unquiet dead. The notorious house, uh, the, the mortal, no, I'm sorry, the notorious house immortalized in Amityville to the bone chilling events that inspired the hit film The Conjuring. The Warrens fearlessly probed the darkness of the world beyond our own and documented the all too real experiences of the haunted and the possessed, the deceased and the vengeful dead. 
Graveyard Chronicles, a host of the most harrowing fact-based of ghostly visitations, demonic stalking, heart-wrenching, otherworldly encounters, and uh, horrifying comeuppance from the spirit world. If you don't believe, you will. And whether you read it alone in the dead of night or in the middle of a sunny day, you'll be forever haunted by its gallery of specters eager to feed on your darkest dread. And, you know, most of the books in the series, you know, take that tone. And, uh, you know, some of them, um, from the, the reviews I've read, have been rated higher than others. Um, but all of them, you know, contain their, their actual... Uh, investigations and evidence from these investigations, um, you know, which of course went on to inspire, inspire movies, the whole Conjuring universe. I mean, it's just for people to say that, that this couple are frauds, it to me does them a disservice because they put so much of their heart and soul and their lives into yeah. this, you know. And of course, people are going to try to, you know, debunk what they're doing because it just shows that there are some things that people can't comprehend, you know, that we, and we can't explain. Sometimes you don't need to explain them. Things just are how they are. And, you know, and that's why, that's why I always say, you know, I, I'm kind of a skeptic, even though I do what I do, I am kind of a skeptic because I always try to put logic before I can say something supernatural, you know what I mean? Right. Um, same. Yeah. yeah, same here. I mean, like, you know, like, like when we went on the, um, the Blackbeard's investigation, right. I, there was no explanation to hear that fucking woman's voice between Joe and I in that fucking bathroom right. when Joe heard it in front of him and Joe standing in front of me and I heard it in front of me and Joe standing in front of me, you know what I mean? And that voice came from between us, you know, and it, right. it I can't fucking explain that. There's no way for me to fucking logically explain that. So that's a fucking paranormal fucking experience right there, you know? And I, I would love for somebody else to watch the video and be like, okay, well it's this, this, and this, when there was only two other women there and you know, Sandra was with you and that other lady was behind the bar, nowhere near, you know, where we were in the bathroom. So it's, there, there's always going to be skeptics. There's always going to be people that talk shit. Um, there's always going to be frauds out there too. And that's the thing is with our team, I always said we will never, we will never fake anything. I don't give a shit if we sit in a fucking house for 12 hours and nothing fucking happens. Guess what? We didn't get any fucking evidence. We will not fake anything because that puts a bad name on paranormal investigators. Now, there are people out there that do fake their evidence and they've been called out for it. And I mean, it it is what it is, man. You want to put on a fucking show, you know, then say it's paranormal entertainment. It's not right. You know, just like wrestling, there's wrestling and there's wrestling entertainment. It's the same thing in the paranormal world. You know, there's paranormal investigations and there's paranormal fucking entertainment. I see like like at the jail when we want to go investigate over there. Um, when I saw or heard something, I would just I would just ramble it, man, just straight towards whatever's going on, just because I wanted to check, you know, is this thing you know rigged somehow? Does it have a, a wire attached to it? Does it have a string? Does it have a you know, some kind of explanation for these things to do the things that they do? 
And if not, that's when I'm like, okay, well, then let's figure out what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that leads towards the paranormal, sometimes it doesn't. You know, but there's nine times out of ten you'd be able to to figure you know what caused the situation. But that one time, that's where that paranormal comes in. You know? Yep. And those are my favorite. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And Joseph, you got anything you want to say, man? Well, yeah, like, you know, it's like you said before, you know, it's like you said, you know, you can go into an investigation and not get anything. You know, it's nice to get catch, catch something, you know, but it's like you said, that's always the case with when capturing evidence. I would, I would like to see this evidence that you have. Just, to, I want to see it from like, so myself, you know, like, I don't, I don't know if you saw my Facebook post that said I fucking deleted my entire hard drive of every single investigation that we've oh, done. Yes. Luckily, yes. luckily, I still have some footage at my uh, on my work computer, um, and the Blackbeard's investigation is one of the ones that I do still have. Um, so, actually, this Monday coming up, this Monday we will be investigating House of Rock. So. Shout out to Casey over at House of Rock for letting us be the first paranormal investigators to investigate um, House of Rock. Now, House of Rock was the very first morgue in Oasis County. Um, so they, they've they've had a lot of you know activity and nobody's ever been allowed to go and investigate. Dark Side Paranormal will be the first team able to go inside and investigate. Um, I'm going to be hurting the next day because I do work. So, yeah, that's going to be a Red Bull and coffee kind of day. Um, and we have some other things going on right now. We kind of took a little break, kind of took a step back just to kind of clear our heads and stuff and, you know, mentally and physically prepare for for more upcoming investigations and stuff. So also, I want to take this time to send a shout out to Dean over at Texas Toys. You guys want to check out some badass collect collectibles. They have the largest selection of Funko Pops in Corpus Christi. So whatever you're looking for, be sure to head over to Texas Toys. Also want to send a shout out to TNT, This and That, which is um, it's a little uh, a shop where DVDs, man, if you're into old school DVDs, um, you know, they have horror merch there sometimes, uh, posters and stuff. Be sure to check out, you know, This and That. It's on Staples. Um, also, shout out to Mike over at Lit Alternatives. You guys are into the CBD. They have flour. They have pens. They have anything you can think of, uh, you know, if you're into that kind of thing. So be sure to, you know, head on over to Lit Alternatives on Alameda. Check them out on Facebook. Tell Mike Lord Scuba sent you. He's not going to give you a discount or anything, but, you know, just let him know I sent you. A quick shout out real quick. Go for it, man. Let me give a shout out to, uh, like I said, to my boy Julio, Julio from the Valley uh, and WrestleBlogs. Um, guys, if you aren't into wrestling, go to a show near you. Like I said, June 25th, GCWA, hotter than Texas 2. Go check them out. 20 bucks uh, front row, 50 general admission is the hottest scene right now for independent wrestling. And the guys and the guys and girls coming out of Texas are like the hottest right now look at AEW, Sammy Guevara, Thunder Rosa, yada, 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 but just check, check them out. I'm telling you. And uh, I'm trying to get 
trying to get to go into the writ. So I'm working on that right now for y'all. So. Awesome. Awesome. So Joseph, Joseph's been working That's on some got. behind the scenes stuff for dark side right now. So, um, Ben, you got anything you want to plug my brother? Well, I got a, a few things coming up with the pod. Um, the recycled corn podcast on uh, Spotify, Apple pod, and pretty much wherever you get your uh, podcast. Um, going to be doing a, we're going to switch it up a little bit. We're going to be doing an advice pod, uh, with my friend Kendra. And that's going to be a lot of fun because she is, uh, one of the more unique individuals that I've ever met. And, uh, I really enjoy her, uh, her perspective and I can't wait for that. So if y'all want to, uh, get some advice from myself or from, uh, Ms. Kendra, you can uh, leave us a message on the Recycled Corn Podcast Facebook page or on Instagram. And uh, we, we'd love to be able to help you out best we can, which, you know, might not be all that great, but damn it, we're going to try. Fuck yeah, man. Badass, badass. Yeah. And Kendra, you know, Kendra's one of those old souls. You know what I mean? Like she's, yeah, she's a great people, man. So um, can't wait for that, man. That's, that's going to be fucking awesome. So I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up guys. We've, you know, we've gone an hour and 10 minutes. So I think we, we covered the Warrens pretty well. Um, next episode, episode 13 will be the last episode of this season of somewhat supernatural. I'm going to take a little break, start getting some things ready. You know, um, I will be working summer school, so I'm just going to try to get everything together for season two. And then, you know, I decided, Every season of Somewhat Supernatural will have 13 episodes. So Makes sense. lucky 13, baby. Lucky 13. So as always, I am your sexy, sexy, supernatural, paranormal host with the motherfucking ghosts, Scuba Steve, saying thank you for tuning in to Somewhat Supernatural. Joseph, thank you for being on again, man. Ben, thank you for being on. It's always a pleasure when you boys jump on with me, man. So I will talk to you guys later. Stay spooky, baby.